Bright Bitcoin Accumulation Country. Welcome back. I'm your host, Coin Icarus, and this is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, sponsored by Crypto Cloaks. And this is season three and episode 38. Welcome back. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. I've got a super fun episode, a great talk with the creator of the Honey Badger logo, amongst many other things. Um, this gentleman's name is Zlock on Twitter. And he is, uh, he's, he's a Bitcoin OG, and he's got a lot of really interesting takes on many different topics that we are going to dive into in this episode. But before we get started, we're going to take a look at dollar cost averaging and Swan Bitcoin. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not. And you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling, being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls in, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check. You know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase and you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address. So if you're interested in a Bitcoin only platform, um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people, then you definitely want to check out Swan Bitcoin. I'm going to have the, uh, the link to their website in the show notes. All right, sit back. It's time for my chat with Zlock. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me. So this was a recording that I had already done, but as I explained, I, I screwed it up. So you know, joining me once again is Zlock. And for the people who don't know who Zlock is, uh, he's a longtime Bitcoiner. He's the designer of the Honey Badger logo. And he's an essayist, a Swiss scholar, and head of the Swiss think tank um, dealing, in bit, uh, dealing with Bitcoin and blockchain called At2B4CH. And Zlock, uh, uh, oh, sorry, and also... He is the uh, the creator of Satpile, and we're going to talk about that later. So, Zlock, thank you very much for coming back on my podcast, man. Thank you for having me a second time. I thought the first time you would ban me for life. You would block <laughs> me like everybody who has any common sense, but I'm very glad to be here again. I have no common sense. I have no shame. So I, I'm, uh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm all in for the uh, for the story because I feel that our first chat was really awesome. And it actually gave me a chance because of my screw up. It gave me a chance to do a little more digging into, you know, into what you do. And man, you're you're kind of you kind of wear a lot of different hats, you know. So yes. Okay. So okay. Before we get into the uh, the think tank and sat pile, um, if you don't mind, let's uh, let's dig into the rabbit hole story, right? Like uh, you it, you started in Bitcoin around 2011, but where were you before Bitcoin? So before, before, I was uh, doing a lot of web stuff. I was doing um, online uh, monetization, SEO, that kind of stuff. So not so much the building, but I mean, I did do the building, you know, like in 
whenever uh, HTML2 or something when it was still easy. But then after that, I moved into more like the production and uh, uh, taking care of websites and trying to make them grow and, and things like that. And then uh, one day I was really, really tired of it. So I, I bought the, the domain fedupwiththeweb.com, I mean in French. Um, thinking that I would be doing something with it, which I never did, of course, because I'm lazy. But um, I thought it would be very good to, you know, to talk about, you know, kind of like like the burnout of being online all the time. Um, but anyway, at that time, I, I moved on to uh, being very, very uh, <clears throat> in, connected with physical stuff. So I uh, started importing things from Japan and uh, distributing them and uh, retailing them in a physical shop, which I actually managed. So I was still online for my personal stuff, but my idea was I will never do any online stuff ever again. I'm, I'm tired of anything that is related to computers and uh, the internet and everything. And uh, pretty much exactly at the same time I started this, I fell into the rabbit hole through the uh, Goker um, article about the um, uh, Silk Road. And that's the moment when I thought, um, you know, like, uh, what, what's that, that thing from the Godfather 2? Uh, uh, when I think I was out, they pull me back in. And, uh, and that was the moment when, I mean, not straight away, but that was the moment when I started uh, compulsively following what was happening because that article just like opened so many you know theories in my head and uh and as i saw it growing i started getting like more and more into bitcoin eventually um i opened a restaurant i still had that that shop at the same time but i was like you know vacuumed into bitcoin and now i'm like full-time so you know for for a lazy guy you, you seem to you seem to do quite a few things so that's... well I, I i start a lot of things i uh I, I i put a lot of energy into them i didn't say i was successful you know it's it's like that uh uh how did you call that serial entrepreneurs um you know it doesn't mean that you actually were successful you 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 start entre enterprises and then after that you know you break your two arms and fall on your nose and start again so uh, in general, the idea is that I want to do things that um, enrich me uh, intellectually and emotionally, and I'm actually learning something. <clears throat> and um, and this is this is where I'm in Bitcoin now because it's every day it's like a roller coaster of uh, like you realize you don't know nothing, uh, everything that you think you do you don't. And, uh, and at the same time, you realize that people that, you know, you idolize because you think they're like geniuses in that particular domain, they actually miss completely the other side. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very, it's very um, humbling. At the same time, it's, uh, yeah, boosting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and so, yeah, uh, having a shop or having a restaurant is, uh, is mostly humbling. I, you know what, that that's something I, I always found difficult sales. So yeah, yeah I, I can, uh, I could only imagine. And obviously we, we know the statistics. I, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are, you know, in, you know, on your side, oh, of, on your side worse, of the pond. Worse. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's really difficult work. So hats off to you though, for, you know, obviously endeavoring into that. Does your shop accept Bitcoin? Uh, it or, did at the time. Okay. 
and uh, and now I'm uh, I I closed the physical shop uh, because I couldn't attend it. Mm -hmm. So now I'm uh, pondering how to make it online and Bitcoin only. Very cool. How's that? How's that been going? Like uh, so far, what what are the challenges you're seeing? Um, it's it's the, the the real thing is when you're dealing with uh, non physical things, uh, online is very easy. Mm. The moment it you know it's like the onboarding and the on ramp and off ramp of uh, of uh, fiat. You know you have a lot of friction with the real world. So. I'm thinking about, hey, I should do this. And then I'm thinking, yeah, but that means half of my house will be full of such and such. Hey, I should do that. Yeah, but it doesn't work because international orders are not going to be fulfilled and such and such. So it's uh, it's very cool when you have when you're like you're operating in one dimension or one universe. Mm -hmm. The moment you're putting uh, both together. This is this is where like something like Amazon is fascinating because they're or you know like uh, Uber or uh, or uh, Airbnb because they really manage to put the online um, dematerialization of business uh, and apply it to actual like real physical life. I think this is kind of incredible. Um, I'm not there yet. Yeah, I, I I have to admit the uh, the online shop is uh, is kind of uh, for me anyways difficult. Um, I, I've yeah you know like I do a uh, an online shop with uh, through fun with Bitcoin where I essentially leverage somebody else's web shop and I just have mm -hmm. my my things on there. Um, I, I have recently started doing eBay, but again, like you said, you know like when, once you get into the friction of the the material things, that's where it gets a little bit more difficult. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, because of your because of the fact that you're dealing with shipping and all of that. So, yeah, look, it's it's a challenge, but I also think that it's it's also well worth it. You know, once you sort out all of the, course, of the course. difficulties, it, yeah, it's it's well worth it. It's fun. It's fun. So, um, for the moment, I'm I'm trying to keep with like software. Uh, I'm going back into you know the 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 virtuality of uh, software uh, because it allows me to move faster and more easily and get back into the momentum but uh but i really miss the idea of you know your whatever you're getting chopsticks or uh teapots or whatever and uh you know that someone will enjoy them which is which is a very different feeling from uh yeah. from software because software um you have the, the the multiplication of software it's, it's uh, pretty much the same thing with the byzantine uh uh, uh theory of, of Bitcoin, you know, like you have something completely virtual, you can multiply it so much that it kind of loses value. The moment you can't multiply it or you have something physical, it becomes very, very valuable because it has a life on its own. So similarly to a Bitcoin or a UTXO, whatever you want, a coin that uh, you're sending from one person to another person and it, it has like a life, I, uh, I really like the idea of having some kind of um, material object that is made of a very noble uh, uh, material, a very noble uh, uh, ingredient, let's say cast iron or ceramics or wood, and uh, knowing that maybe uh, it has a life before you acquire it and then you know you get it secondhand and then you send it to somebody else and you know that it's going to continue having a life. So it's, uh, it's something that I kind of miss and uh, you can't get that with software. 
That's true. That 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 is a good point, and uh, it's it's something I think that people, you know, I, at least. I don't know if they don't think about it, but I, I definitely do. Like, you know, going back to what you were saying, I value a physical copy of a book more than I value its virtual, uh, you know, its its virtual counterpart. It's the same, same, same with words. music and, uh, yeah. and the MP3s and everything. Yeah, of course. It's very it's and very strange, right? We're we're still so because we're material. It's like that that still kind of holds that strength. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is now now all questioned by VR in a way, uh, again, mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, it's also put back into perspective with the whole concept of deflationary money that makes you not want to spend it for you know disposable, uh, one use, uh, low quality, no personality, no background type of objects. You actually want to save your money for something that you're going to cherish and that you will want to use for a very long time. So it, it goes back to uh, something that I have very dear in general in, in my life, which is uh, I, I don't want disposable things. I want things that that will actually survive me, um, whether or not, you know, I'll have uh, someone using them or they're just going to disappear after me. But I don't want I don't want to be the witness of stuff that I I worked hard to get and that I anticipated seeing them being destroyed just by you know, um, program obsolescence or just uh, very bad quality. So it's very interesting that you mentioned that uh, about the software, right? Because I, I find it difficult to purchase, you know, to, to purchase software it, it, psychologically, you know, because it's something like you just said, you know, you, you then have to suffer through uh, the, uh, the program obsolescence. So yep. I, I think that in that case, it's like, that, that to me is where the licensing model for software works a little bit better. Even though you're still paying for it, it's it's almost like you're not buying its totality right away. Yeah, yeah. You it's a, it's a, a lot of people are discussing that with uh, the App Store because as a user, you expect that you're getting a, a software, an app, and that it's going to be maintained forever. And uh, the developers are saying, okay, the maintenance is one thing, but every time we add a new functionality or a new feature or, you know, like bug fixing is, is easy, of course, and it, it's kind of like a given. But uh, if you have something and suddenly it becomes more powerful, should you be paying more for it or should you be buying the new version of it? Um, I, I think it's an, interesting, it's an interesting time now because I think a lot of people are figuring it out. Even even uh, on, on the App Store, you can see that a lot of uh, applications now are becoming a subscription model as opposed to being a one-off thing. And uh, I, 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 th I think it's very, very interesting because we went from everything needs to be paid to everything is free because it's on the internet. Then everything is trying to, to find a business model to now there is kind of a business model, but it's through micropayments. Yeah. Except Bitcoin. Bitcoin was free, then it was cheap, and now it's just expensive. Is it really expensive? I don't know. I, no, I, no, of course I, not. Of course not. I'm like, it's like, it's, I, I, you know, at some point I, I start to feel fooled. 
you know, because I, I just at these prices, I, I still think it's, you know, I still think it's cheap because I, I look at, the ha- you know, I look at the hash rate. I look at the network effect and I'm like, yeah, I'd pay more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, there, there was this, uh, this quote from uh, I forgot his name because I read it too many times. Uh, the guy from MicroStrategy. Yes. In, a, in an interview, he was saying, I can't believe people like if I'm buying, that means someone is selling. I can't believe those people are selling to me. And um, so the, the first reading, you go, yeah, of course, because it's so valuable. Why would people sell instead of, you know, keeping it, holding it and everything? And then you're also thinking, yeah, why would people sell it for so cheap? You know, it's going to be 20000 very soon. Just, you know, at least keep it for double. And then it's going to be, you know, twenty-five or 50000 So, you know, keep it a little bit longer. So eventually you're going to sell it, um, which I want for the record. I want to say that very clearly, of course. Um, you know, it's like that that uh, Morpheus uh, Neo thing, right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 when, it, when, when the time comes, you won't have to sell them. So I'm there for that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, a lot of people should be selling, but you know, di- didn't you learn anything from the Bitcoin pizza? Like what, uh, what is wrong with you people? Don't sell. Yeah, okay. Just keep it a little bit longer. So, so obviously, right. We, we know what happened to the guy who paid for the pizza, right? Yes. He, cause everybody knows that part of the story. Um, but actually one, uh, last year when I was talking to Matt Odell, he, he totally blew my mind and, and he, said to me he's like what about the guy who accepted the bitcoin how come nobody hears about him and it's yeah. it's well, true. like th- this guy's a genius he, if he kept of it. course but he, prob- he probably no of course not that's the thing <laughs> he probably got rid of it you know it, it went it went from ten thousand for nothing and then one day was ten thousand was worth you know a hundred bucks and he got like yeah that's great like a hundred bucks for two pizza Woo-hoo. exactly <laughs> those exactly. are the most expensive pizza in the world uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was like, he was joking about it. And he was saying like, you know, like two pizzas for a hundred bucks. <laughs> what a story. Um, but but that's, that's the funny part about everybody who's saying, you know, if I had known, I would have kept it. No, you wouldn't. No, you, would have, you wouldn't have. Like you started wanting to keep it, I think, when it reached a thousand. Because emotionally a thousand bucks, you're starting to think, you know, what if it goes higher? You know, what, what, what is that thing? What, what's happening to the world? Before that, especially when it was like everybody was mining on CPU, GPUs, mm-hmm. like, you know, it goes double you sell because why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Of course. No, that's true. Then. So th- those guys who say, oh, I, I lost a hard drive. There was, uh, you know, uh, 10,000 Bitcoin on them. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'll give you 100 bucks because that's why you would have sold it anyway, eventually. So it's true. More yeah. for me. No, it is. It's a very good point. You know, I mean, it's um, but to go back to this. Right. So, you know, why why would people sell? Right. Like, I think that what happens is, is that because Bitcoin, um, the the holder anyways, it's so valuable to the holder. I think that they'll you know, they will sell it for something that they value or that they want more. So uh, even if it's just a, um, uh, a high time preference item at that moment, they decide that the Bitcoin at that price is, you know, or at that value is worth getting rid of for that item. So I, I personally like, I, I kind of, I have mixed feelings. Like for me, I I'm, I'm in it for, uh, I want to go into the, you know, I want to have the, the majority of the economy be a Bitcoin circular economy. I want to be able to just spend my Bitcoin the way that I spend cash now. And I don't, 
you know, the fees are really irrelevant uh, to me. I, I think so, uh, especially with, since we also have Lightning, uh, which facilitates lower fee transactions. Um, but at the same time, I also, you know, it's like, if, if let's say if let's say Bitcoin goes to you know sixty five seventy thousand dollars in the next you know four months, you know it's like yeah I might buy something small that I otherwise wouldn't have purchased you know had that not have gone up because at that point a very small amount of Bitcoin might be worthwhile to get rid of for me, but again yeah. it's, it's all a matter of preference you know. But this this is why I don't like the the whole idea of hoarding. Yeah. Um, like there, there is that word, and and it started with uh, Executive Order uh, six one zero two. They actually said gold hoarders. I don't like the, the the wording of hoarding because hoarding means that you're like you're not gonna get rid of it. Like you are you are stuck with it. Mm. It's almost you know it's almost you're sick. It's like the hoarders are you know like those people they make documentaries about and. They're like having piles of poop in their inside their own their own home and uh, newspapers everywhere, right? Um, I think this is not it. I think it's it's more like going back to more uh, traditional values where saving is not uh, is not considered being a miser. You can be saving just because you are. Uh, wise because yeah. you are valuing you know long term like let's say you're saving for uh, a holiday you're not a hoarder of of money like you're not you're not a miser you're not you're not sick you're just saying i want to go to wherever to tahiti uh, the, the the ticket is uh, this much my salary is this much i need to budget it, it, you know if, if anything we should say the holders are people who have a budget yeah. And everybody's budget is different, but they have a budget. They're saying, I want to buy a house or I want to retire and I'm just putting money aside. And because I know that this money is uh, increasing in value now because of, you know, um, uh, exposure and it's going to increase in value because of deflation at some stage. And we're already kind of there, but not really. Um, then I'm just thinking, you know. Every time I want to spend it, I'm thinking about it instead of just saying whatever goes. Um, it's it's very interesting. It's it's um it's the same thing as you know like organic fruits and vegetables. If you go to a shop, you have like the normal ones and you have the organic ones that are more expensive, right? Um, in reality, the normal ones should be the organic ones who have their real price, and uh, the other one should be called chemically chemi chemically stained and uh, they're cheap they they should be the budgets fruits and fruits and vegetables if people should say it's so great that we can have like the normal ones but we also have the cheap ones that are more affordable of course the compromise is that the the more affordable ones are you know lesser quality in terms of uh, what they're made of because of pesticide because of gmo because of whatever but the 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 trick is to change the mind of people to tell them cheap is normal cheap is cheap is the new normal right uh cheap is the new normal and uh, from now on if you want natural which is you know natural um we're gonna give it a special sticker and we're gonna make you pay premium for that and um it's 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 the same thing with saving it's the same thing with with uh with uh hodling you are not 
being a horrible person. You're just a person who is going back to what your grandparents or great-grandparents were doing, which was not being wasteful. That's basically it. You're having something. You don't need to get rid of it as soon as possible like you've been uh, brainwashed to do. You're just keeping it aside because you're thinking, I can do something really good, but, but I should benefit from that exchange. Uh, you know, originally, the, the whole idea about fiat and the whole idea about money, even like the gold standard, um, is that you're having a cow and you want to have um, bananas. And uh, you, you can't exchange your cow for bananas. And you have enough cow. You, you don't need more cow. You have one that you're going to uh, allocate to fruits, vegetables, and uh, whatever, tiles for your roof. So it has value for you to get rid of something that you have so that you can have something else that you need. And that is like, that should be explained like to, to a, to a five-year-old in two seconds. And they would say, yeah, so, you know, wh why are we wasting so much? What, why, why I'm not going to name names, but you know, like there's this Swedish, uh, uh, furniture, many manufacturer, uh, distributor, like they're amazing, right? Like as a business, they're amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, 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 everybody has one and you know, it, it makes sense. But the whole idea of, I need to change my lamps every six months because I was told that new lamps are cooler. Um, this is unnatural. I and the fact, the fact that you have a lamp and you're saying, I have Bitcoin, I have a lamp, my lamp works. Therefore I'm going to keep my Bitcoin in a, in a cold storage. This is the natural order. This is how it should be. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know. You asked me a question and now I'm like, rambling about the whole universe no that's okay that's it's it's actually you went in a great direction because the, the reality is is that what you just said is is very important uh you know about the um uh what's it called um about the need to purchase something to you know to get rid of the money as soon as possible everything that we are taught is in the direction of you know of that our our metric is to consume so yeah, of course. You, you know what I mean. So we're we're being um, uh, how could I say this? We're being validated for consuming, but the reality yeah. is is that that's what's making um, that that's what's actually making us less resilient uh, in terms of our survivability and whatnot because we don't actually end up keeping resources. If you think about it, right? We're not we're you know when we go out and buy all these useless things, all it is is just it, it's garbage. Like that that's really what it is at the end of the day. Right. If we end up in a difficult yeah. situation, we now no longer we may no longer have the resources to maybe get ourselves out of that situation. So a person, right, that saves more than they spend is is more, I think, resilient in the type of economies, you know, that and the type of societies that we live in. But if you have somebody constantly consuming and constantly on that credit wheel, well, number one, the, I think they're more susceptible to. They're more susceptible, I think, to adhering to, uh, we'll say, like government type of restrictions and things like that. Uh, they could quick, they could more quickly become dependent on, you know, government funding and whatnot. Yeah, and UBIs services. and whatnot. That's right. You know, like so. So I think it's like, you know, like this whole thing that happened with with COVID, right? It, it just showed how unresilient people are and and how dependent they are on a very fragile system constantly working. Yes. So I, and. And it also shows you how not only we're 
we're we're asking for more you know government help and things like that but it also shows you how the market does not work because of all those elements now now you see let's say uh, there is a lot of things in um in victoria in uh, in australia where you have you know like the, the 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 policies there are becoming kind of crazy you look at it and you're thinking okay am i is it like is it an art performance is it like real life what what's really happening it's so scary it's so strange and uh, I'm, I'm really glad that i'm not there and i'm thinking at the same time you know what if it just permeates and and goes everywhere but um this is where you realize that if you leave things to happen and you interfere as little as possible just with common sense and to to manage not to force things into a certain direction mm. um things can adapt uh but the problem is at the moment and and we can see that with covid there is so much of um influence and so much of control that when th that control is lost uh and you see you know like in the us they're saying mask no mask uh, you know uh uh, the WHO, uh, it, it, it's not uh, human to human uh, uh, catchable, but now it is and it's not. And uh, uh, the fact that everybody relies on that um, uh, disabled their own adaptability. Um, the, the market and the people should be able to make decisions. But we are, I, I have this, this uh, example that I give, like, uh, you know, like the, the, the yogurts, you have uh, yogurts and uh, you don't know if they're good or bad because they've been in your fridge for a few days. You taste it. You're not going to die. You know, it's not, you're not going to be sick for, for 20 <laughs> days. You know, you, you smell it. If it smells horrible. No, first you look at it. Uh, you know, that, that's like common sense. Then you, uh, then you, you smell it. Um, then if anything, you taste it. And, uh, and if anything, it's already rotten. I mean, it's a yogurt. So even if it was bad, um, you're not going to be sick the same way as if you were eating like spoiled milk or whatever. But um, we rely so much on what is written that by default, if there was any date, like you have like fungi everywhere, it's disgusting, it's all like green. You go like, yeah, but the date says it's good. And we apply this logic to everything. Like it, it has to be written, and if it's written, then we believe it. And it, re it, it removes our common sense. It removes our own ability to make decisions. And this is where it's really diff difficult for, for, for you know, society to evolve. And this is where I really like Bitcoin because it puts back the individual into a situation of responsibility. Yes. It, it puts you. Uh, in a situation where you, you can't just start blaming everybody else. This is why I'm so pissed off with the marketeers. You know, like, I'm not, again, I'm not going to name names, but I've been, you know, blocked by a few people that I blocked myself as well. Um, I'm, I'm for simplifying. I'm for uh, vulgarization where you're actually making it so that newbies can come and they even if they don't have all the specific details, the technical details, they still get how it works. Like I use address, coin, um, uh, UTXO. I, I know that half of the time, if someone is very precise, they're gonna tell me, well, not exactly, you're using it wrong. But mm. it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter. People have to understand that a public key is public and a private key is private and why it is. 
and then you have the ex-pub thing. Now I'm naming names. Then you have the ex-pub thing, and uh, and you're saying, okay, it's really easy to explain ex-pub for a newbie to understand, you know, 75% of it or functional level of it, and you explain it. And then you go into details to tell them, well, you know, it's public, but still be careful because of this or that. And you make them ask questions because, you know, people are curious and they want to understand. And, you know, it's an interesting topic. Mm -hmm. However, if you're saying, you know, even to a child, what is this? Oh, it's adult stuff. You know, it's for grownups. You're just going to frustrate them and they're going to learn the wrong way with other people who don't know or by misinterpreting what they overheard. And this is not what you want. What you want is that people actually do feel responsible enough and curious enough that they want to take that responsibility and that they won't be making any mistakes because they will learn that, you know, mistakes have, I mean, actions in general have consequences, good or bad, and mistakes can be, you know, painful. And they will learn from that. But if you over... If you're overcautious on behalf of people, and in that particular ex-pub story, if you're saying, you know, you're nerds, they're stupid. I'm just in the middle because I'm the only intelligent guy here. Well, it, that's not how it works. Everybody is partly a nerd. Everybody is intelligent enough, and and everybody's stupid. So, me first, you know, like I'm 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 totally uh, embracing that. But as a stupid person, you know. Um, I'll, 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 I'll go on record saying there was a time when I was looking at some altcoin, um, say Ripple, and I was looking at the website and I was thinking it might be interesting. The fact that I don't understand it, um, it's probably me who, you know, who, who is at fault. It's probably me who is stupid because it, it looks like it's interesting and it's, it's, it must be good. And then, you know, it takes a while. Then you realize that everything that you liked uh, with Bitcoin um, is gone, and they replaced it with, you know, enriching themselves uh, out of your uh, FOMO. And then you think, okay, so they're using really good words, but I'm glad that I spent the time learning about it because otherwise someone would have come, I would have had to trust them because, I don't know, they're my bankers or they're, they're the government, and they would have said, this is better, and I would have gone with it. And this is... I think we're very lucky with Bitcoin that there are some people who are very, very vocal in a very aggressive way to say, not you're wrong, but they're saying think, you know, like the whole uh, don't trust verify and and things like this. And we can see very slowly, slowly, uh, there are lots of people who otherwise would have been uh, tricked by the the you know, the, the cute pink marketing of everything. We can see it with DeFi today, right? It's uh, it's funky, it's fun, you have cool names, you have cool logos, whatever. Um, and it's 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 like 99.9 or maybe 100%, but, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It's 99.9 a, a, a pyramid scheme. Oh. It's like, you know, like... It's it's the the plain game that you have the guy at the beginning he gets all the money and the last one is four modes into giving his money and saying oh shit I lost um, and and I think this it's it's important that it happens because people learn that's the only way that they learn mm-hmm. but at the same time it's also important that when they are coming to Bitcoin 
one way or another at the same time or before or after, we don't tell them, ah, you're not, you're too stupid. You don't understand. It is, it is a technology, but it's so interesting. It's so, it's so um, attractive for even people who are not technical. I'm going to, I'm going to add to that. Personal responsibility is a feature, not a bug. Okay. Exactly. And, uh, I agree. and the other thing uh, to talk about, uh, to talk about DeFi, um, that, that is, uh, I, that that is an IC to me. It's ICO and BitConnect on steroids. It, yeah. it, it is the mix of the two, and nobody. I mean, look, all the money that's going into it. That that is what is paying all these people because I'm reading this stuff and like you can't just airdrop somebody half a million dollars worth. It has to come from somewhere. Of course. Like, and you read these valuations, like some some shitcoin today was like valued at like three point seven billion dollars. They don't even. Don't even do anything there's not even 3.7 billion dollars of value in the network like there isn't even that much securing the network why would it's it is mind-blowingly insane but to your point it needs that you know like to a certain extent it needs to happen people need yeah. to, people need to get wrecked and i like i'm i'm with you i, I think 99.9 percent it's a total scam i i'm you know the, there, I, I, I don't see how it's not this, uh, um pet theory of mine that if like a few thousand years ago or even a few hundred years ago there was something that was written that became like universally well known it means that it must resonate with some kind of truth somewhere so if you look at you know the ten commandments it's kind of like a famous thing right you, you find it in many religions it, it's so basic three of them are you will not covet whatever, you know, it's like greed, not good. Um, then you have, you know, the seven deadly sins, you know, pretty common. Everybody knows about it. One of them, greed. Um, you get Buddhism, like the, the first uh, two rules or three rules, I forgot. One of them is, you know, if you want something, that's the beginning of your misery and sadness come from desiring things. Mm -hmm. So you should not desire. Um, then you have, you know, like Aesop that was, uh, after that taken by other writers, uh, that, uh, that fable of the, uh, uh, what is it? The ant and the grasshopper, you know, on the one hand you have one that says winter is coming one day, you know, be careful, whatever, you know, all of this makes so much sense. And yet someone comes and says, I'm going to do like a sushi with a cat face. I'm going to call it sushi and there will be a rainbow. If you put money, you'll get more money. That's it. As simple as that. That's you put it. money on one hand, you're going to get more money. And look, it happened to this guy, that guy, and myself. Therefore, you should do the same. It's like, our, our, like what is wrong? What is wrong? And my theory is, what is wrong is that if it's not illegal, people go into it. And that's why, for example, with the ICOs, it was so interesting because you, the ICOs were able to do what they were doing because of the legal uh, blur, the, leg the, the absence of legality or illegality. People ask, can I do that? Well, it's not illegal. Therefore, okay, fine. Yeah. And, you know, th there is a, you know, the Unabomber? Yep. The, the, okay. So, uh, I don't know if you know the whole story. It's quite fascinating. No. Um, 
there there is a, a Netflix uh, series that they, they made out of his story, which is kind of close to the truth. It, it's pretty good. Um, the guy was saying it was kind of like a you know a, a neo luddite. He was uh, he was kind of like a neo Amish. He was saying technology is, is destroying people. My theory with this is that it's not technology that is destroying people. It's that we are we are having technology moving faster than what we're used to. Therefore, you have everybody abusing it. You know, like the whatever, like people now shouting and fighting and destroying 5G towers and whatever. Everything is going too fast. So the moment it's not illegal, there will be someone trying to abuse it. And it makes sense. So it's, uh, it's the same thing with the, you know, the Nigerian prince scam. Um, now nobody falls for it, right? Uh, you know, my parents, they get an email with the Nigerian scam. They, uh, they laugh about it. The first people, they got an email. There was a time when there was not that many emails in your inbox. And you would have one. And it kind of makes sense. And you didn't hear about it. And you're thinking, you're... so that technology is just going faster and faster. And we just rely on, is it legal or illegal? And uh, one thing about the Unibomber that was, that was kind of interesting, he was saying, you know, like, it, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. There is nobody anywhere. And you're in your car. And there's a red light. You stop or not? And you're like, yeah, I stop. You know, it's a red light. You know, yeah, but there is nobody. Nobody going on the side. There is no cop. There is no nothing. And when you think about it, you're thinking, we should not stop. Yeah. Because, you know, we're human. And at the same time, you're thinking, well, we should stop because that's the contract. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter if it's if it's two o'clock in the morning and there is someone or there is not someone or, you, you know, cohesion of the community is that everybody applies the same rules. And therefore, you don't have to think too much. But then you start saying, OK, it's, if, you, if you don't think, then, you know, you go back to your pod and you eat the grubs and whatever. Right. <laughs> and then it's the matrix. So it's a back and forth like this. But you kind of have to to reintroduce common sense into that. You have to say, for example, you know, like in the U.S., you have those things where you can turn right. Even when the, red, the, the, the traffic light is red, you can turn right. I think this is, a, this is a magnificent example of common sense. It's, of course, you put the red light because you want to regulate in a way that you're not giving people too much choice because if they have choice, that means they have to take responsibility, then people are scared, or they're you know, too adventurous, then you have accidents, whatever. But turning right is very easy because you can, you can look and you can see and it's fine. So you should be having that kind of leveling with, on the one hand, the rules, and on the other hand, the, uh, the common sense and the, the, the humanness of making decisions. Again, came from a question, I'm rambling, I don't know what I was answering, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> we, we were dumping on DeFi and then we moved on to yeah, the, exactly, the, the Netflix exactly. It's because of DeFi. <laughs> but, it's, um, it's DeFi's fault. What's the name of the the Netflix series? Um, I don't know, uh, Hunted or something. Like okay, that. I'll, I'll I'll try to find it. But I think if you if you look for Unibomber, I think there is only one. But yeah, the thing with DeFi is this: um, with the ICOs, what was really interesting and and very sad at the same time is that you know you're telling people should we should we have a long debate? Should we have a discussion about Bitcoin in general? And uh, by the way, this is like 2B4CH, 
uh, going back to my introduction, uh, I want to say that it's blockchain uh, blockchain of Bitcoin, not yeah. all blockchains in general. Just just to make sure, um, <laughs> it it could be some other kind of decentralized permissionless blockchain that would be uh, uh, not controlled by some kind of one authority. But for the moment, it doesn't exist, and I don't think it will ever exist. So it's Bitcoin and its blockchain as opposed to Bitcoin and blockchain. Um, but yeah, what, I, what I'm trying to do with this is to say, should we have a discussion? And they say, yeah, you know, it's too early. I don't understand it, and I don't care. And then you, you say, you know, one year later, should we have a discussion? Can we try to... Um, my goal is to make it that it's uh, in a in a uh, moratorium sandbox kind of thing. As in, there is no uh, uh, constrictive law, but at the same time, it's not the Wild West. It's just that you can be building things as long as you apply the laws of everything else. And then, based on that, we actually study it so that we can make specific laws that applies specifically for that because it's not gold, it's not money, it's not stock, it's not as physical assets. It's something quite different. So you're saying, can we have that discussion? Well, you know, for the moment, uh, we don't care. And then eventually you say, can we have that discussion? And you say, no, it's garbage. We hate it. You know, um, it's going to die. And uh, Warren Buffett said it's not good. And uh, Jamie Dimon saying it's not good. So you wait a little bit. You say, can we have that discussion? And it goes, it goes, it goes. And nobody wants to have that discussion. Nobody wants to take that responsibility. Nobody wants to open the gates or close the gates because everybody understands that it's it's a wild beast. It's a new thing, right? And then you have all those ICOs. And they say, oh, shit, we actually have to regulate this because it's going to be horrible if we don't. So it's been hijacked by, like, the whole idea of regulation is hijacked by having to regulate stuff that is abuse of lack of regulation. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, you're, you're having normal people who are doing constructive uh, building. And then you have like one guy who's abusing the whole system and getting rich out of it. So everybody goes into that, that, you know, void and copying that person. And then suddenly it's becoming rich at the expense of everybody else who's losing money, right? And, you know, lies and, uh, uh, you know, snake oil uh, promises, whatever. And then they have to start making regulations. But it, it takes resources. It, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of... And they're jumping into it without having the fundamentals, without having the basics. And they're asking, because that's, that's the thing, they, don't, they won't ask me, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. They're going to go and ask, you know, whoever was telling them Ethereum is fun because uh, code, code is low. And um, or they're going to go and actually talk with people who did successful ICOs to tell them, can you help us make the rules for the next oncoming ICOs? And it's the same thing with Libra. I was talking with someone who was discussing with uh, Finma, which is like the whatever, whatever FinCEN mm -hmm. in the US. Yeah. Um, and so nobody cares about, you know, uh, stable coins. Nobody cares about Bitcoin still, even though it's been 10 years, there is no regulation. You don't know if it's going to be open or closed. You don't know what's going to happen. And everybody is kind of scared because if you're doing something and then from one day to the next, they say, you know, everything you've been doing is retroactively illegal and, you know, you can be in big trouble. And then suddenly Libra comes and says, 
hey, uh, we're coming to Geneva. So, uh, you know, take it or leave it. And then suddenly FINMA like, takes all their resources and they're saying, we need to regulate that thing. And if we regulate that thing, maybe we'll regulate everything according to that particular thing. And they start discussing with the people from Libra to ask them a lot of questions about what they plan to do. Therefore, they're basing their, their assumption that everything that will be done will be done according to that particular logic. Mm -hmm. And eventually you have, you know, normal people trying to do normal things. You have extremely interesting people trying to do extremely interesting things. And you have Facebook just, you know, grabbing the attention of the regulators and, uh, and uh, completely diverting the discussion into regulations that are serving their purpose or, and that this is where I'm, I'm very fearful, that the regulations will go against Libra, for example, but to be sure that they go against Libra and they're like, you know, uh, encompassing every cases, they're going to be against everything. They're going to say, you know, like, you can't have a computer anymore. If you have a computer, you need to be, you know, you have to have a permit because it's like a car, it's like a gun. Um, in order to make sure that Libra doesn't, you know, over overflows their boundaries, um, they're going to go with the regulations that are extremely strong and they're going to, uh, I don't know, there's this expression, I hope in English, uh, you're throwing the baby with the, the bath uh, water. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this is, this is the difficult part. It's you want things to be open, but at the same time, you want to make sure that the people who will be abusing that openness can be, you know, kept, uh, aside instead of uh, grabbing and stealing the conversation. Yeah. So that's my rant against DeFi, ICOs, and Libra all at once. I, I tried to group it. No, but that's uh, – you, you made some very – obviously, you know, you made some very good points. And the um, – you know, one of the things is, you know, you're talking about that regulation. So do you really think that – I mean, you know, because we've seen, you know, in the States, Executive Order 6102, you know, the confiscation of gold. Um, do you think that – we could end up in a dystopian, you know, future where, oh, yeah. where, where computers have to be licensed, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, what, what I think kind of saves us. Oh yeah. But it, it you know, uh, okay. There was a time you didn't have a driving license, right? You could That's get true. a car if you had a car, yeah. you could get on a horse if you had a horse, right? Um, did they, did they again, ever have horse licenses? I'm sure. I'm sure there is maybe, well, no. Okay. Let me, let me put it the other way. Can you be on a horse uh, in the middle of the street in uh, Manhattan? I don't think so. So it's not even a license. It's forbidden. That's a good point. Right. True. So that, that, that is kind of where it's weird because at the same time you have the whole automobile industry at first that was boycotted by, the horse and buggy, whatever cartel, oh, yeah. and and uh, there is this famous story. I think it was in England where you would have to have a guy with a red flag in front of your car at any given time to uh, to uh, warn people that there was a car coming. So you had to the guy was walking. You had to drive at walking speed, and there was a guy in front of you with a red flag, you know, shooing people away so that there wouldn't be any accidents. But of course, it makes no sense. The whole point was to say, well, if you have a horse, you don't need that. Why would you have a car, right? 
like a human so street it, sweeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's it's going to be the same. Maybe not with computers, but maybe. Well, let me put it this way: there was a time when um, everything had to be done, you know, physically at the counter for like uh, you know government things. Let's say your passport or whatever, right? Um, nowadays, they ask for your email address, and there will be a time when they will say, this is your official email address. You have to keep it. Therefore, it's the email address that is given to you by the government so that, you know, you can't lose it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't go through a third party, let's say Google or Yahoo or whoever. Um, that will be your official email address, which you have to have uh, accessible at all time because this is how we're going to be communicating with you. You know, the next step is... They're, they're issuing you a phone or they're, they're issuing you a UBI that is to be allocated for your phone. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody has internet at home. Therefore, to make sure that everybody has their internet, you know, for your own safety and to make sure that everything works properly, everybody has a, like a virtual assistant thing that is listening to you all the time because it's so great. Uh, you know, like the uh, whatever Alexa or uh, Google Voice or whatever. Well, they're they're getting um, us used to that with that. They're of get, course, they're getting everybody it, accustomed to that now. Exactly, but yeah. at the moment, every but okay, this is where we go to another theory of mine. Um, <laughs> how how long will the nation states survive, and what is a nation, uh, and can we have a stateless nations, and are the GAFA not already a nation? This is, this is where you're thinking, okay, the government, the way you think about it, you're thinking, you know, the nation state, which is going to put something inside your house and make sure that blah, blah, blah. But this is what Facebook and Google do to you already, and Apple. Um, they're making sure that you're always using your same email address everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. uh, they're making sure you log into everywhere you go so that you get the best experience. And uh, they're making sure that your house is connected to your, you know, whatever you're using, whether it's Facebook or, or Apple or Google, um, that you have one particular provider that's taking care of your entertainment and uh, home uh, domotic and uh, uh, communication and, 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 and. Um, are you becoming a citizen of those people? That's another, it's another interesting question to explore, but um, I'm not, okay, also I'm Swiss, so I'm Swiss living in Switzerland, so I'm kind of spoiled in that, in that regard. Um, I, don't, I don't think the Swiss government really cares about uh, spying on me or anything mm -hmm. like that. They just, they just want to make sure that everything works, that you know, I don't get out of line and uh, that I pay my taxes. That's, mm -hmm. that's about it. In general, they, they're kind of okay. Um, they put bicycle lanes everywhere, but, you know, it's kind of irrelevant for that particular topic. Um, but it is possible that there will be a time when, uh, when today it would be the U.S., tomorrow it might be China, will force them to comply to international regulations. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, the GDPR, for example, that, that thing that every time you go to a website says, do you agree with the cookie policy? Yep. You don't really have a choice, do you? And they're saying it's for your own good, and it's just annoying for everybody. 
And all they have to do is to make sure that if you want to, you know, remove your cookies or get rid of your subscription, it's easy to do. Instead, they're filling half of your screen with a thing that says, do you want to check the cookies? Do you want to configure the cookies? Do you want to accept the cookies? And everybody is just wasting time and clicking all the time. Mm -hmm. There will be a time when they will say, well, just to be sure for the whole, you know, universe to be in line, why don't we have one very good regulations to save the children and uh, everybody just needs to register their computer. And in a way, I'm, I'm sure it's already the case. Like if you, I don't, there is no KYC for your computer, but if you go to Apple and you buy a, or you go on the, on the online store and you buy a computer, they get your name, they get your address, they get everything. And uh, the, the reason why I know that is that I, I told you I didn't have my computer for a week mm -hmm. because uh, they, they uh, uh, reached out to me to tell me that there was a recall for uh, the batteries. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into conspiracy theories that they installed a bug inside my computer. That's not my point. But if they know that I have this particular computer and they're replacing the battery for me, uh, it's only a question of time when people start saying, I want to buy a computer only secondhand that has been completely, you know, ripped out of uh, any identification, blah, blah, blah. And, and then very soon people will be uh, printing, like 3D printing their own computers like they do with guns today, just so that they can have a computer that is off the grid. It's, uh, I don't think it's so far-fetched. I no. think it's, uh, it, it just makes a lot of sense. And the next step, of course, is, if your software is in your computer, then they know what software you use. If, if the software is in your cloud, then they know what software you use. And uh, if you're having Bitcoin, and especially if you bought it KYC, then they know that you have it. And then uh, the 6102 comes and they say, you know, we're not going to confiscate it. We just want to make sure that uh, we have your uh, XPUB and we know exactly what address you're using, you know, to save the children. Save the, always, always to save the children. That, that's, exactly. That's always the goal. Um, I, I did want to add uh, to one thing you were talking about, you know, because we, you, you, we were talking about Alexa before. Um, so I went to a museum that's uh, that's nearby here, and what they did was was that they have one of one of the exhibits that they have is a a home uh, that was moved from China um, during I'm not sure which era. Um, so I don't want to get that wrong, but they moved the entire home here and you can walk around the home and see what a traditional home looked like. Um, and okay. it's very interesting because there's in um, th there's a, a specific family room, OK, where, where the entire family gathers. OK, so it's kind of strange the way the, these homes. Well, for me, it's strange the way these homes are set up. But like essentially you walk into it, there's there, there's like a pond in the middle of the home and then there's essentially rooms that are all lining the walls. OK, so it's like, it's almost like a corridor and the mm -hmm. first room is the family room off to the right. And in that family room is a speaker which connects to the central speaker system for the for the country or, you know, for the city. And so that mm -hmm. way you and that way you can get your, you know, your. Uh, your government information. Mm -hmm. So that that was like, and you could see like, you know, I think this is a house from like the 50s or the 60s and you're looking at this technology and you're like, they were already building these things. They already had entire cities wired up to hear the government's message. Yeah. You know? Like we're, we're not even talking about a television. You can't turn this thing off. 
Yeah, yeah. It's wired into your house. It's like, anyways, I that that totally kind of, I don't know, it kind of threw, you know, it kind of pushed me back because I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is very old stuff, and it was already there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so, it's always that um, that I open. You always have the balance, you know, like uh, uh, freedom versus security or safety. Uh, convenience versus uh, privacy. You, you always have that thing, right? Um, if you're thinking uh, in terms of, of uh, you know communist China, like as in like the old the old days, right? Not today. Uh, I don't I don't know much about today, but um, there was a time when people didn't know how to read and write, and you have like I don't know how many million people. You have the emperor who is like with with his entourage that are obscenely rich and obscenely you know they're writing poetry and they're you know eating whatever and you have everybody else that is uh not even peasants they're like you know like they're almost at the level of uh, of not slavery but like serfdom right um and they don't know how to read they don't know how to write they don't know anything they have like a super shitty life and and then you have Mao coming and uh, saying, you know, I want to help those people. At the time, it sounds like a good idea, right? Mm -hmm. That's why, like in you know, in the fifties, even even all the way to the sixties, you had people in the West who were saying, you know, communist China is the way to go. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I want to go there. And uh, because of course, suddenly you have like all those people. They have quality of life that goes times one million. Um, but in order for it to work, they kind of have to give away their individuality and they have to comply with the whole system. Mm -hmm. This is where you have those discussions about uh, compuls uh, uh, compulsory uh, education or, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, how is it called? Homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Like, it's amazing that you have the schools, but at the same time, what are you giving up in order to have your children to go to a school where they're going to spend more time than they spend at home. Mm -hmm. But would you rather everybody is a you know uneducated peasant that dies from pneumonia at thirty years old? It's a it's it's a it's a very it's a very complex issue I think and and where I think it really there's that tipping point is is your government representing you or is your government controlling you? I think if you're going from um, kingdom and uh, uh, empires where you have like a super big guy and his family is, uh, you know, in charge of everything and, and ripping the benefit of everything of the whole country, then you have a government that controls you, right? And you're just like, a, you're a tool. If you start having democracy, but you still have the same level of um, uh, everything being imposed upon you, then it's exactly the same thing. The only difference is that you can go buy bad, cheap furniture. Um, you can have uh, video games. And uh, at the end, it's like a Black Mirror episode uh, where people are just uh, being happy. And uh, in reality, they don't realize that it's, it's exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, the reason why we're having all this conversation is that the interesting thing with Bitcoin is that suddenly you have a lot of people who are completely different uh, coming from like you, you really have like extreme left, extreme right, uh, the, the ANCAP. You have everybody. Oh, everybody. But 
but they they have a lot of overlap in between them and you start hearing stuff like um you know taxation is thefts from two different people who are completely different um very different backgrounds and you're starting to think yeah you know taxation is a racketeer, racketeering uh, process but at the same time it doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad it just means that it's it's been um diverted from its original purpose which is you know if you're rich you help people who are less rich than you mm-hmm. but if you are just helping like the guy who is above you then you're going back to kind of like a feudal system where you have you know the nobles and uh, the whatever the peasants um i think the idea of saying everybody can have access to the internet um as a you know fundamental right is a super cool thing there there was this very interesting thing in france uh they did that um i don't know people can look it up online it, it's called the minitel um it was before the internet um you would dial up with your phone but uh the idea was like it was a small terminal that you have at home mm-hmm. and the reason why it was extremely successful was that the government uh distributed physically that little terminal which was like a a very mini laptop mm-hmm. um in every home the same way they would distribute the the white pages they would distribute that little machine that you plug that is really easy to use that you know like grandmothers knew how to use it mm-hmm. and that would dial up that dial into uh the inquiries and all kinds of uh, uh government and official uh, services so if you had to i don't know renew your id card you can just dial up and then you would have like a little uh uh graphical display and uh, you could choose uh, different options and uh, you would do that and a lot of services actually came to uh add themselves of course there was a shitload of porn and uh, chat rooms a lot of people made a lot of money based on that um and uh and and surprisingly some of those people after that became very influential in uh, the internet and also bitcoin so it's uh you know at the end uh, it's the early adopters who are always uh, uh knowing what's happening but what was really interesting was it was a thing that was kind of like a given if if you were a citizen you would have access to that technology that was given to you by the government mm. as a convenience that was owed to you and um and that's why friends uh became very late uh to adopt the internet because a lot of people were saying well we have the minitel it works it's really good all we have to do is to adapt it so that maybe you know it goes online and everything because at the time it was very slow right mm-hmm. um very slow very limited graphically and everything um but the idea was if you think about it this is a very socialist way to say um uh, it, uh, access to information and access to services should be universal it yeah. it goes with the uh you know universal healthcare it goes with that kind of stuff right and it doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money but you can't say uh everybody has access to the internet but you have to pay for your uh device yourself you have to pay for your connection yourself you have to pay for this this and that yourself and of course the rich people will get the latest fastest best technology and the poor people will have to share something and this is something that we see now with covid where they say oh you know you just work online and uh, go to school online yeah but not everybody has the same access to everything 
Some people have one computer in the middle of the, the apartment for the whole family. And some people, everybody has a tablet and a, and a smartphone. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you uh, organize that if you are saying education should be free and accessible for all? How do you make sure that everybody has access to the same technology and the same access to learning how to use that technology? And, you know, let's say your computer is broken and you go and they say, yeah, we can fix it, but it's going to cost you a thousand bucks. And other people would say, well, for a thousand bucks, I'll buy a new one. And you, you're like, yeah, for a thousand bucks, I don't eat for a month. So yeah, th- this is this is going back to your Chinese house. This is where you kind of have to have a compromise between helping people and controlling people. Yes. And you should empower people so that, and it goes back to that ex-pub thing. You should empower people to ask questions and to learn as opposed to saying you're too stupid. I think, and now I'm going to go like really on a limb here, but I think people who are saying this is a nerdy thing, people are too stupid to understand. It's too nerdy. It's not interesting. You have to make it simpler are the same people who are putting uh, uh, a government propaganda microphone in the middle of your living room. They're the people who are saying humans are too stupid to be able to make their own choices. And this is a problem for me. I think the whole idea of public education is that you should be able to be the son of uh, uh, totally uneducated, totally um, uh, backwards uh, farmer or not even a farmer, a guy who's like digging graves and still be able to become a doctor. Yep. That's the whole point. If that is broken, then the whole, the whole premise of, of that system is broken. If the fact that you're going to school at the end of the day, you're staying inside your own class and inside, inside your own, I don't know, it could, ecosystem or your you know like your your own uh, uh, bubble mm-hmm. um, there is no ladder neither horizontally or vertically then it's oppression it it doesn't work and it's basically telling you you're too stupid to to uh, to, to go um, in a different uh, environment than the one you were born in born with um, it's a it's a class system and now I'm talking like uh, a Marxist but at the same time, the whole idea is it should be the market. It should be that if you work, you get rewarded. Yeah. If you work, if, 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 if you are able to, uh, you know, uh, go physically to school or, or go online to school, you should be able to achieve everything that everybody else is achieving. And of course, I don't want to be a politician because this is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like it's like the the worst uh, you know puzzle to try to, to 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 fix this. But you can see from reality, from experience, that it doesn't work. It uh, it, it it works, but it's 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 very anecdotal when it works. It's uh, most of the time, um, if, even if the whole system is trying to make you. Now I'm really rambling, but even if the whole system is trying to uh, give you more opportunities that you would normally have, mm-hmm. you're still back in that room with your family, with the propaganda machine in the middle of the family room. Yep. It, 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 it's like a big circle. And you need to have something that is very revolutionary in order to break that cycle. 
and uh, I I think, and this is this is where I think that uh, that Bitcoin is amazing, is that not necessarily just Bitcoin, but the whole idea of the internet is breaking that pattern. Yeah, it's making that pattern completely different. And if we go to China, like communist China today, um, uh, it's very interesting to think that most people, let's say in the U.S. or Switzerland. To, to take us as example, mm-hmm. um, they have no idea how to use a VPN. Like they have no idea. They don't know what it's for. They don't know how to make one. They don't know how to use one. They don't even know how to go on Google and look for a VPN. They don't even know that it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in China and I was t- talking with some Chinese people and I had problem, don't remember, I think I, I had problem accessing PayPal or something. There was, there was one website that was blocked. And I talked to people and the first thing they told me is, uh, you want to use my VPN? And I was like, you know, it was so natural for them. Yeah. And I think this is this is where everything now is put back into, you know, the middle of the table and everything has to be reassessed completely. And I think this is fantastic. And I think Bitcoin just goes into that movement and it's unlocking the transfer of wealth, which was up until now, you could transfer so many things. You could transfer information, you could transfer whatever. But wealth was very difficult. And now you can actually have that wealth created somewhere and transferred completely somewhere else. That's so right. I, I, yeah, this is, this is where I chose to be, um, you know, like to jump into that rabbit hole wholeheartedly because I thought this is like a revolution that is once in a lifetime or maybe once in a, you know, whatever, millennium. Yeah, Bitcoin definitely has its place in our dystopian future. It's it's exactly. it's, it's one of our it's going to be one of our major tools. So, and and it goes back to what you were saying. Will some people try to block that? Of course, of oh, yeah. course, definitely. So I, either it's going to be some crazy regulations, or it's going to be some crazy regulations on the tools to use it. But there will be some crazy regulations. And uh, and speaking of uh, tools for Bitcoin, we're gonna we're gonna change gears here because we're gonna we're gonna wrap up soon. But uh, I wanted first yeah, yeah, I, I wanted first to talk about uh, you have a uh, you have a pretty cool app that I I have to go and download. Uh, I've already checked out your uh, the uh, the Twitter handle, but it is um, Satpile, and Satpile is like it's like no ads. Uh, a Bitcoin uh, it's it's a Bitcoin wallet tracker, read only Bitcoin wallet tracker. Is that correct? Yes. It's um it's a watch only read only um, app that allows you to basically organize addresses that you want to keep an eye on. Nice. So you could you could just go online uh, in a blockchain explorer and put the address and then make a bookmark, for example. Hmm. My idea is. Um, you know, I want to have an eye on something that was in the news for such or such reason. I want to have an eye on um, uh, a few open dimes that I gave away for Christmas. I want to keep an eye on um, that uh, paper wallet that I buried in a concrete vault in the middle of my garden for, you know, uh, my great, great grandchildren. And so uh, it's a completely uh unreachable because I really made sure that I don't want to go and check it out uh, every five minutes. But all those things are, of course, their their balance is on the blockchain, right? So I don't need to have access to them. 
Uh, and of course, you know, I'll, I'll throw in, I have a Trezor and I also have a blue wallet, right? So, uh, you know, you have your hot, you have your cold, you have your paper, you have your physical devices, you have your brain, you have everything. And, and you end up having a, a whole lot of uh, uh, bookmarks that you want to, first you want to have the total because it's convenient. You want to have notifications when something moves because it's convenient. You want to be able to just keep an eye on it because, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you're just paranoid or whatever. So I built an app. I mean, I had an app built. I didn't build it myself. I'm not, I'm not so much of a tech guy. Um, but my idea was to have an app that you have all this very conveniently reachable um, that refreshes auto automatically that has uh, um, that you can rename them easily because of course I don't want to remember all the addresses that you can put into uh, folders together so that you can group them because it's easy um, to have like a you know like uh, yeah, instead of individual addresses you start having your brain going all over the place so you're making it so that they're like small chunks that are more easily hand hand handable. And handleable, um, <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, and so what we added recently, um, at the same time that there was this whole XPub debacle, uh, was support for X, Y, and Z pub. So let's say, for example, I was talking earlier about Trezor and Blue Wallet. You can enter an XPub, and therefore, instead of having a folder, you will have all your addresses, and it will just keep interrogating the blockchain to make sure that whenever you use it, it goes to download or to, I don't know, to generate the, to generate the addresses, the most recent ones. So you're always up to date. And, um, and that's it. It's uh, my little contribution to uh, things should be very useful, but sometimes they should just be, you know, kind of useful because you're going to make them useful for yourself. I, I like the uh, I like the direction that's going in, and um, it's available for iOS and Android. Uh, we're working on Android uh, because we were doing a lot cool. of changes. We didn't want to like uh, uh, have to debug Android as we were debugging uh, iOS. So yeah. now we're actually working on Android because we reached some kind of a I don't know a, a cruise cruising speed. Um, so now we'll be able to work a little bit on translations to have uh, multiple languages because we have people, you know, from Russia, China, whatever. So obviously everybody speaks English, but maybe not everybody speaks English. And, um, and also to make Android so that it's, uh, it's out there. The, the reason why uh, we didn't rush to so much Android is that there is um, a Sentinel from the Samurai people, mm -hmm. uh, which does pretty much that, uh, probably better than us. Uh, with a different approach, but in terms of functionality, they're, they're very good. Hmm. So we thought, you know, it's not necessarily the, the biggest priority. The people on Android now, if they want to have it, they already have something, so it's, it's working. Whereas on iOS, there was like one app here or there that was really limited, not working anyway. Um, so we thought it was more like a priority and it was really useful to, to have something that didn't exist yet. I like it a lot. I'm gonna download it because uh, I have an iPhone, so now I can uh, I can use that for my uh, you know for my Bitcoin uh, wallets. So I really appreciate. And, and it. of course, you don't have any with Bitcoin, but for other people's Bitcoin, for everyone else's a, Bitcoin. 
Exactly. That you want to have an eye on, of course. <laughs> I like that. So look, Eve, thank you so much for, for joining me on, uh, on, on the pod, man. This is a, this is a great chat. Well, it's a, it's a great chat for me. I think, I think we will have another one, but hopefully like on a different, well, this one was actually quite different from the first one anyway. Oh yeah. This one was uh, totally ex- different. Except for me, me talking too much, but it was quite different. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll have the, the next one where, where we're talking about, you know, traveling in space and, uh, through space and time and whatever. And more uh, philosophical. Great, great pleasure. Very cool. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. Man. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much. Well, I'll, I'll announce something oh, that okay. uh, there will there will be a time when I'll be talking about Butanuki, which is uh, I, another project of mine. I went to go check uh, it, but I, yeah. I, I saw there wasn't much there, so I, I didn't want to mention it. So I appreciate that. Exactly. <laughs> so so there will be there will be a moment when we'll be talking about it. I'm trying to uh, take a different approach to DCA. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like a twist on DCA. Um, we're building it. Now, um, of course, there is like a shit ton of uh, ideas coming. So we haven't even even really started that, you know, we're already thinking V2, V3. Um, People are actually sending me requests. uh, The people that I actually open a little bit to, they're saying, ah, but what about, uh, why why don't you do this and this and that? So, um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, introducing it when it's um, visible. Very cool. Well, look, I mean, at the very least, I'll have to have you back on when that's, you know, when, when, exactly. when, when exactly. that's going. And then maybe we can use that to get into some more philosophical stuff. With great pleasure. Very cool, man. Thank oh, Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Ciao, ciao. I hope everybody enjoyed my chat with Zlock. Um, I'm still trying to figure out that yogurt analogy. Anyways. His contact details and uh, his website will be in the show notes. As always, if you want to reach me, Telegram or Twitter, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Thank you all for listening. Catch you all next time.